0: Now, today we are currently in a series. There's this word behind me. What's this word behind me say? Believe. And so, if you're new to the party, New City is on this long journey studying a, a book that's called Believe, but it's not a commentary. It's really just a book filled with scriptures that point you towards 30 specific Christian beliefs. And so, as a church, for the next several weeks, we are going to understand biblically what we believe and why we believe it, because we all believe something, but oftentimes when you're pressed on why you believe that thing, you say things like, Well, I think or I was told. But what if you believed what you believed because of what you had read in God's Word? And that's what we want to have happen. And so we have believe books that we've asked people to buy and believe study guides that we've asked people to buy to invest in your spiritual development. Then we have believe groups. Here heard Jill talk about that earlier. But if you're not currently in a believe city group, I want to encourage you to hang out with other like-minded people who are choosing to pursue spiritual maturity. It's not a, 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 they're not groups to show you how smart other people are and how silly you are. They're seriously just meant to be, hey, we're going to discuss the given topic for the week. This week's topic was what? the Bible, right? I'm going to give you some Bible facts, right? Maybe some of these you know, maybe some of them you don't know, but let's start with some Bible trivia here. The Bible has a total of 66 books. Did you know that? 66 books. Uh, The Bible is split into two parts. Here's an easy one, Old and New Testament. Very good. There are 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. If you take those two numbers and add them up, guess what you get? Mind blown, right? All right, here we go. Uh, but here, here's what I do find interesting. The Bible was written over, by uh, over 40 different men over a 1,600-year period, and they tell the same story. That's remarkable, right? Which will support our key scripture that we'll get into later. Get this. There are 168,000 Bibles either sold or given away every single day. Every single day, 168,000 Bibles either given or sold. 87% of Americans have a Bible in their home. All right, raise your hand if you have a Bible in your home. Most of you, that's probably a little higher here, right? We're at a church on Sunday morning, right? (laughs) Here's the national average of those 87 Americans with Bibles in their homes, most have an average of three, right? Who has more than three Bibles in their home currently? Very good. But what we will discover is although we have them, we don't often read them, right? Like, oh, there's the Debbie Downer, but it's the truth, right? Oh, here's some statistics for us. This is uh, from uh, 2017, so they're recent. Uh, three words, engaged, friendly, neutral. Bible engaged means this. 20% of people are Bible engaged, which means they read or listen to the Bible four or more times a week. And that's if they answered it honestly, right? I'm just saying. All right. <laughs> Bible friendly, right? Bible friendly, 38%. 38% read or listen fewer to four times a week. Right. Bible friendly. Right. So you have engaged, read it more than four times a week, four or more, 20 percent, 38 percent of the people say, well, I'm a friendly to the Bible, but I read it less than four times a week. And then you have Bible neutral, Bible neutral. There's 23 percent of the folks that that qualify or uh, connect with this one and they listen or read the Bible less uh, one time a month or less. One time a month or less. And so the good news is if you choose to engage in the belief study with us over the next however many weeks we're in it, you're going to be upping your percentage on Bible literacy because believe is full of the Bible, right? It's full of Scripture. And so that's one of the ways to encourage you. Now, I want to give you a slide to help you find your age demographic so you can kind of see how your age group is doing. And so we have it broken down here with millennials, Gen X, boomers, and elders. All right, maybe you can see that, but there's, you see the categories, Bible engaged, Bible friendly, Bible neutral, and they even have a Bible skeptic, and that would be somebody who's opposed to the Bible, so you can find how old you are. If you don't know, you may be uh, probably boomers or elders, but um, millennials, <clears throat> come on, I pick on millennials, so I can pick on the elders and boomers too, all right? I typically don't pick on Gen Xers, why? Because that's where I am, and we are the ones that got it all figured out, right? All right. so... But, you know, in my generation, I'm 41, 20% of people in my age group uh, are Bible-engaged, right? How many are? let's see, there's 36% uh, is the majority in all of the categories where we have it, but we don't typically read it, right? And so I have, a, I have some work cut out for me today because most people in the room have a Bible. If you're here this morning and you don't have a Bible, we want to change that for you, okay? Now, in today's climate, if you have a phone, you can have a Bible because there's so many applications for free, right? But if you want to hold one, I like to hold one, this is mine, then I, then I will be happy to make sure that you get a Bible before you leave here today. Is that pretty cool? So we want you to have access to God's word. Uh, Here's my goal for today. It's really, really simple. I want to do my best to inspire you to read your Bible more this year than you did last year. It's that simple. What I, what I want to share with you today, I hope it inspires you to read your Bible more in 2019 than you did in 2018. And as I was processing this, two scriptures came to my mind, both from the Old Testament, right, that, uh, that I just kind of recalled from memory that, uh, that talk about Bible reading. The first one is Psalms 119, verse 105. Here, David writes this. King David says, um, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. So I remember reading that Bible verse at VBS when I was a little bitty boy. Your word is a a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Uh, If he was to write that in 2019, that edition might say your word is like Google Maps. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 was the second scripture that came to my mind. This is one of my all-time favorite verses, top three in the Bible. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will What? direct your path. Your translation may say, make your path straight. Again, what does God's Word do? God's Word is a lamp that guides what makes your path straight, right? And so today, I want to take that thought, and I want to I give us maybe something uh, that we can carry on throughout the week, right? And so here, here's what I believe about God's Word, okay? I believe that this Bible, my Bible, your Bible, helps you understand who you are, where you are, And how to get where you're going. That's what God's Word has the ability to do. I realize that there's many of you in this room who you don't really I mean, like you don't disagree with what I just said, but what I just said hasn't been necessarily your experience with God's word. But here's what I want to try to convince you today. The reason I want to get you to read your Bible more this year than you did last year is because I believe that if you if you will dive into this, as I'm going to encourage you to, you will it helps you discover who you are, where you are, and how to get where you're going. If it doesn't do those three things, listen, we got time for other stuff, right? But if God's word is what it claims to be, it'll help define who you are, where you are, and how to get where you're going. I'm going to do my best to help you uh, come to that belief for yourself this morning. I want to do uh, three approaches to this, and I am going to use Google Maps as an illustration because I think most of us use Google Maps or something like that on a probably consistent basis. Uh, just kind of make sure we're all on the same page. Raise your hand if you've ever had to use your app, Maps, to get you somewhere, right? We've all been there. Now, listen, uh, here's a statement I was thinking of this morning, is we don't always go to the same destination, right? Like, I don't need my Google Maps any longer to get me to Jack Stack Barbecue. Look at me. I know how to get there, right? But if I want to go to Q39, I still need a little help because I missed my turn, right? Now, I say that because you're headed, quite honestly, in a destination right now that you don't know how to get there. Like this morning, I approached this, this message this, I'm in this space, uh, not coming up here all bubbly and excited. My, one of my best friends, Chris Moinks, he's saying goodbye to his wife right now. She's in hospice with Rachel. My heart is heavy. I'm sad this morning. But I still have the opportunity and the responsibility to come and talk to you about a really, really good thing, right? And so I'm trying to navigate how do I minister to my dear friend Chris who helped me plant New City seven years ago. How do I help minister to my friend... In a time of deep grief, as he says goodbye to his wife and helps kind of manage his kids. Man, God, I need your help. I need your help because I don't, like my, I don't have experience. I've never been there before. Are you with me? Some of you may be going through stuff with your children. You've never been there before. Or you've got a marriage issue. Or you wish you had a marriage issue. Or you've just got an issue in general. And you're like, "Well, wow, I've never been here before. And I'm trying to navigate that. And, and what I want to say today is, man, this book will help you identify who you are, where you are, and how to get where you're going. I believe that, right? And so I approach today, right, from a part of me saying, listen, I am practicing what I preach this morning. Is that cool? Can we just take a minute and pause and pray for Rachel Moinks this morning? Awesome. Church family, let's pray. God, we love you. And Father, how I wish that times were always good and times were always pleasant. But Father, today, unless you do a miracle, and by the way, I don't want to start there. Will you heal, Rachel? Even in hospice, when everybody says, hey, we're at the end of the road, God, would you do the miraculous? And we will we'll throw a party. We will, we will throw down and say, you are the one true God. And God, I will proclaim that even if it doesn't go my way. God, thank you for Rachel's life. Thank you for the ministry. Thank you for the influence. And God, I pray for Chris this morning. God, bless the Moinks family in their greatest time of need. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So although there's sadness, we're also going to see what we can learn. So three ways that we can approach Google Maps. Are you ready? The first way is this. You're trying to get somewhere, first thing that you can do is simply ignore Google Maps. You know that, right? You can do it yourself, right? You can drive around because you're too stubborn to ask for directions. You can point at somebody if you need to at this time that does that, right? right, uh, this is actually probably a very, very common and popular approach, I was thinking about all the songs that were written, uh, let's not get there, we're going to get that second, but all the, all the songs that were written about this approach, like for example, like songs in my generation, uh, like Freebird, all right, Leonard Skinner made a, a lots of money on that song, or uh, was it a Fleetwood Mac that sang, You Can Go Your Own Way, all right, or what's the old crooner, is it, was it, uh, uh, I'm going to forget, Sinatra, who sings, uh, I did it what, My way, right? We've heard that song. Uh, One of my favorite bands when I was a kid, Kiss, you know, you can rock and roll all night and party every day. Thank you, Dennis, for playing from Detroit himself right back there, Detroit Rock City, all right? Uh, And some people, like this picture I'm going to show you, actually have a Bible but never open it, and their theme song would be living on a prayer, right? (laughs) I am that funny. All right, so uh, the Babylon Bee is a satire site. Like, Don't read articles for that and go, oh, that's really happening. No, it's fake, right? But there was this article that came up uh, several months back, and it says, man uh, sitting literally three feet from, away from the Bible asked God to speak to him, right? And how often we have these Bibles in our home. We're asking God to speak. We're asking God to answer our prayer. We're asking God what to do. And I sometimes wish God would just say, I've told you, open your Bible, Right? And we're praying about things that God has already addressed. And we're saying, would you please speak to me? I don't know how to get there. But sometimes people often ignore, 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 ignore. I know it's there, but I don't want to use it. I'm going to go a different way. I'm going to figure it out on my own. And listen, you can totally do that, right? Even after today's message, like nobody's given spiritual wedgies. Nobody's, nobody, I don't have an app I'm going to give you that makes sure that you can check every day that you've read your Bible. And if you haven't, you're getting a call. Nobody's going to do that. But a question I love to ask for those who love to go their own way is this really fun question. How's that working for you? How's it working for you? And if your response is, you know what, Matt? I'm doing fine. Hey, listen, if you're good... I'm good, right? If you're good, I'm good. But if you're like, you know what? I ain't good. I could use some help. I could use some insight. I would love to have myself or one of our elders talk with you, not to point our finger at your face and say, told you so, knucklehead. No. Man, there's been times in my life when I've ignored God's word. And I just want to have the conversation, hey, how do we help you engage, move from maybe friendly to an engaged person in God's word, right? We want to walk with you in that. Our mission here at New City is to inspire you to trust in and live like Jesus, and that's what we want to help you do today. That's one option is to ignore. Here's the second one. I'm not a fan of this one. The second one is to see the Bible as a list of rules, right? Right? read the Bible, you see the Bible is a big list of do's and don'ts, and if that's your approach to Scripture, your Google Maps view looks like this. Your Google Maps view looks like the list of maps. You guys ever use this one? I hate this view. I hate this view. I don't like being told what to do. I don't know if you're like me. I don't like rules. Like uh, uh, Allie uh, was sharing some food this past week in the lunchroom, a couple weeks ago, sharing some food. She's nine. And um, she told her, Mom, I'm not supposed to do that. But sometimes I break the rules, right? And my wife was like, she's like you. Like, I think a stop sign is optional if there's cars. Anyway, so it doesn't matter, right? But but many of us approach our Bible as a list of do's and don'ts, right? Now, here's the fun thing about this one. As much as I don't like it, I think it's boring and it's not the best approach. But for me, if I follow that, guess what? It'll still get me there. Right, like if you just said, you know, I'm just going to view the Bible as a list of do's and don'ts, like it'll get you to your destination almost every time. And the reason I say almost every time is not because I don't believe in God's Word, but the two greatest commandments won't get you there by following a list. The two greatest commandments are love God and love people. Jesus said it like this in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, When he was asked about the greatest commandment, he replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. You don't do that by a list of rules. And if you're trying to love your spouse or to love your boyfriend, girlfriend, or whoever by a list of do's and don'ts, here's what I can tell you. You don't have a strong relationship right? A relationship is built on uh, conversation. It's built on back and forth. It's built on, well, I'll put it like this. It's built on time invested, right? Time invested. If you want to have a relationship with God and ignore the time invested, well, you're going to view the scripture as a list of do's and don'ts, but that's not what God has intended for us, right? But you can do it. Like I I was thinking about some of these areas. Check this out. Um, If you were to uh, list out every verse in the scripture that deals with you and your money, Maybe even how you approach taking out loans or uh, helping people out who are asking for money. If you were to approach the scripture, uh, just, just what, every verse that talks about money in a variety of ways, you will have more financial peace than you currently do. Like That list will get you there. If you were to um, uh, make the list on all of the scriptures where God, uh, or through scripture, talks about how you use your body. I'm talking about the S-E-X word. Right? And how you go about using your body. And if you were to apply, just make a list of all those scriptures about you and your body. And if you were to apply that to your lifestyle, you will have more peace on your self identity. I just believe this, right? I believe that. But if you apply the list of relationships, what you will notice is Jesus uses words like abide and remain in me. And you don't do those two things by a list, right? I get stuff done at the house. When my wife gives me the checklist, the to-do list, the honeydews, and she gets stuff done when she has her list, right, that she's knocking out stuff. But our relationship, our marriage is not built on that list, right? That list runs the household. The relationship is established on relationship. I abide with my wife, and I also abide with my Jesus, right? Does that make, does that make sense? So you can approach the scripture as that list. like You can, you can approach the Bible as a list of do's and don'ts. But I want to encourage you towards the third way, and I believe this is the best option. And the best option is when Google Maps is your guide or the Bible is your guide. When when it looks like this, right? Just took some screenshots. I don't know where am I going on that one. Oh, the Sprint Center. Maybe that's it, right? I was going to go to Arrowhead, but I'm still a little sad. But uh, hey, go Mahomes. Go Mahomes. Who cares about the game today? I'm not watching it. I don't even care. Anyway, I don't want to get you going. All right, so. So, okay. Um, Here's the deal. When I, please catch this, when I view the Bible like that, like that map, guess what? Melissa, can you go back to that previous picture when it's a rules? It's the same thing as that. Are you with me? Like, go that next picture now. That looks like this, map picture, that, when we view it as a God, not a list of rules. I learned this early on in my walk. Right? I was, when I, Some of you walked away from Jesus when you went into college. That's where I found the Lord or where the Lord found me. Right? So I've been following Jesus pretty, pretty faithfully since I was a sophomore in college. And this is one of the first things that I read and that I learned. And this statement is this. Is when I see as God sees, I will do as God says. When I see as God sees, I will do as God says. When I have that map view in front of me, what it allows me to see is, Oh, that's why God wants me to turn left. That's why God wants me to go right. That's why God, because he's trying to get, oh, wow, now when I see as God sees, I will do as God says. That principle is not just true for me, it's true for everybody in the room. When you understand why, uh, many of you have prayed this week for my son Luke. Thank you for praying for Luke. He got really hurt this week. God protected him. But Luke was told not to climb up on a ball cart in our gym. He was told to climb on it. And what Luke heard was, don't climb on it when anybody's looking, right? <laughs> He's seven, right? And so Luke climbs up on it. He falls off of it, somehow spins in the air like only Luke can, hits his head face first on the gym floor. The cart comes down on him, and the shelf hits him right back in the neck. Well, I mean, it's a complete blessing that he didn't break his neck, all right? You know, and you might have seen on Facebook where Jen's like, Jen was walking in as it was happening. She saw the whole thing go down. And she's like, Luke, are you okay? What's your name? Because she's just worried about, you know, does his brain still work? Which we weren't sure that it did to begin with. Um, and does your, does your brain still work? And he's like, what's your name? He says, Luke Miller. When's your birthday? April 4th. What year? Every year. We knew he was fine, right? <laughs> we knew he was fine. Um... But, but Jen called me, I was in a meeting up in Gladstone, Jen called me, I was just wrapping up, I rushed back here, you know, uh, a Children's Mercy, then the ER, get a picture of him in a neck brace, got a little black eyes going, got a fractured skull right here, right? And I say to my son, you're welcome to steal this and make it your own. But I said, bro, what do I always tell you? He says, if I'm going to be stupid, I've got to be tough. That's the truth, <laughs> right? That's the truth. If you're going to be stupid, you got to be tough. And when it comes to God's word as my guide, right, when I know what he's saying to me and I begin to see it as a guide and I'm saying, oh, here's why, here's why, and then I choose to go my own way. Now, God's never said this to me, but listen, Matt, if you're going to be stupid, you got to be tough. It's, I'm trying to guide you. I'm trying to, to help you identify who you are, where you are, and where you're going, but, man, you, you got to listen. you got to listen to my words, right? And so... Here's what I would love to do this morning, is I would love to spend the remainder of my time with a Bible study blitz. A Bible study blitz. Uh, in our discipling process, our discipling process at New City Church is called Brown to Green. We really believe that God wants to take the dead parts or the dying parts of your life and bring them back to life, right? Brown to Green. And in our Brown to Green discipleship, we, we talk about this idea that Jesus is Lord, Right, He's the Lord of your life. Like he, he, he has the authority because of what he's done and who he is to speak into every area of your life. And we've identified and kind of stolen, if you will, seven key arenas or areas of, that affects everybody. And so I think they're in your bulletin. I actually neglected to grab one. Uh, but in, yeah, they're all awesome. So if you will, just open your bulletin. And if you didn't get one, uh, I would encourage you to grab one of these on the way out. But these are the seven arenas of life. Let me give them to you quickly. We all experience spiritual areas, relationships. That could be anything from I'm married to I have friends. Somewhere in there, right? You have work, we have money, we have entertainment, we have government, and we have education. Everyone in this room experiences something in in, in all of those seven arenas almost every day, right? There's that opportunity. So what does the Bible really speak to those seven things? So our key scripture this week, was 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. So let's start with there, and let's see if God's uh, scriptures hold up. All scripture, Paul writes to Timothy, is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Right. So what does that mean? When I read that scripture, here's what I hear. Paul says to us, through God's word, this works. Like when you read it and you apply it to your life, when you allow it to be your guide, right? it will drastically change the way that you live. It will encourage you when you're doing right, and it will course correct when you're getting off the path. That's what I read. And I read that it's able to speak to every area of your life. So I'm going to give you two scriptures for each area, right? And these are two that I picked, right? There's a lot more, I'm sure, in every one of these areas, but I'm going to give you two. And if there's a specific area where you need some extra guidance, I would encourage you to circle, star, underline, highlight, whatever, and then plug into God's word to see what he might want to say to you in any given area. I want to start with the spiritual, okay? Spiritual. What does God's word say about our spiritual life? Here is the foundation for every person, Jew or Christian, who is uh, under the leadership of the God of the Christian Bible. It's found in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. Moses says this, listen, O Israel. We could say, listen, O Christ follower. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Right, that's just a great... Like, If you're like, what verse should I learn first? Learn that one. Put God first and foremost in everything that you do. That's what Jesus said, right? The greatest commandment. What did Jesus do? Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 6.4. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and your mind pretty beautiful. Like here's a second scripture that I want to give you, if you want to write this one down. John 14, I'm sorry, John 15 verses 4 through 5. Jesus says, this is my favorite chapter in the Bible. If I was stranded on a desert island or I got sent off to prison and somebody smuggled in a page of the Bible, I would say smuggle in John chapter 15, all right? Be careful how you get it to me. Here we go. Remain in me, and I in you, just as a, this is, this is really good. Notice what Jesus says. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you, what, follow the list? Mm, Remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. Oh man, no, no, I'm really good at being busy. I've been busy a long time without God. No, you're missing the point. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then when the flesh died and resurrected and ascended back to the Father, he gave the Holy Spirit to remind us of everything that he said. And how does he remind us? In God's Word. Like, this is our guide to know who we are, where we are, and how to get where we're going. Two scriptures on your spiritual life. Let's look at relational, okay? Relational. 1 Peter. I want to give you 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 9. This would be so good... Uh, for us in this year finally Peter says all of you be like minded and sympathetic love one another and be compassionate and humble not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult but on the contrary giving a blessing since you were called for this so that you may inherit a blessing do we not live in a time when we love to give insults back and forth right and, and no no. what did Jesus say they will know you by your what you don't know Jesus said they will know you by your love Thought They will know you by your snarky comeback. And listen, I got a lot of them. How many times has my wife told me you're not sending that? Jen's told me numerous times you, you can't post that. It really makes me mad at her, right? I'm like, you're missing out on the fun. Like, I'm right here. And she's like, you're missing the point, right? How about this next one? Um, John 13, 12 through 15, this is something that Jesus did. He said, after washing their feet, this is a beautiful story, happened at the Last Supper. If, you haven't, if you're not familiar with it, I would encourage you to read John 13. After washing their feet, Jesus the Lord, the Savior, right, gets down, washes the disciples' dirty feet. The leader serves, right? He put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I started this morning talking about how proud I was of the of the, the female leadership of New City, Right? The best leaders, biblically speaking, are the, those who best serve, right? You want to lead at New City? Man, get into the race at the back of the line, right? Learn how to serve people. Um, if, you, if, if you want people to follow you because your name tag says whatever, that's not what we do here, right? I, I, would, ho- I would hope and, and, and pray that you guys choose to follow things that I lay out before you, not because my name tag says lead pastor, but because of how you see me serve this community, how you see me serve this congregation, Amen. We follow the first feet washer. Every other God, by the way, every other God that people love to worship says, you wash my feet. What does our Jesus do? He washes ours. It's beautiful. All right? Let's look at work. We all, how many of you guys love work? Exactly. So let's, let's lean into this one, all right? Let's lean into this one. Colossians 3.23, work willingly at whatever you do. See, what does whatever you do cover? everything right no 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 Matt you don't understand my job stinks no that doesn't matter work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for who the Lord so, some of you didn't say that because you don't want right? to let's read this together that part uh, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord. the Lord rather than for people how we would love to say yeah but you don't know my boss you don't see my paycheck doesn't matter God doesn't qualify. The scripture doesn't qualify if you have a good boss. Actually, the scriptures would say something else. Be kind to those who hurt you, who curse you, right? And, and so, like, how are you going to approach work tomorrow? Are you going to go to work and work for a knucklehead? And I hope my staff's not saying, I hope it's not, right? But, um, but like, where do you go to work saying, you know what, I'm going to give my best because I'm going to go to work today for the first time in a long time as I work to the Lord. By the way, that's what kingdom looks like, by the way. Just real quick, can I just chase a quick rabbit? Like, you guys should be, wherever you go to work tomorrow, you should be the best employee they've ever hired. Like, when you pull in, your boss should do that old Toyota kick-in-the-air thing, right? Because you showed up. Not because of your pay, not because he or she is great, but because you work as unto the Lord. Why? Because that's what kingdom people do. Wherever we go, the place gets better. Wherever you go, wherever you work, the place gets better because you're going to show you wanna blow. You, you want to progress in your career? I don't care where you work. If you want to progress in your career, show up early. And actually do your job and don't steal. I'm telling you, you. You will do fine in life. You will show up early, not ask to go home early, and actually not steal from the company. You will be surprised on what, how, how you could be the president of it in two and a half years, right? I'm just telling you. All right, sorry. Chase rabbits. 2 Corinthians. I'm sorry, I'm talking about money, right? I'm talking about work. I'm talking about work. How about this one? Exodus 20, 8 through 10. You're not going to expect me to do this one. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. Now, you have to be careful with all these scriptures because I know what you want to apply right after that. Yeah, but. There's no yeah, buts. And I know you have a big yeah, but on this one, but like I'm telling you, talk to my family and to other families who are doing the same thing, and we would say, yeah, but it's awesome. Like, you, like, my Saturday is my favorite day of the week. It's the day that the Lord has given me to take a break from all of the things that I have to get done. It's a lot, a lot of fun, right? It's there. Let's talk about money. Anybody, anybody in the room have so much money you know what to do with? Great. Listen up. All right, here we go. <laughs> Nobody raised their hand. Look what, uh, here's, I'm going to give you two examples. Uh, this one is from uh, Jesus. The next one's from Paul. In Mark 12:41 through 44, uh, Jesus and his disciples are sitting around, and he says this, uh, Jesus sat down near the collection booth and the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor woman came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called the disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions, for they give a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. Right? Now I'm going to go to the next one because I'm not asking you to give everything you got, right? Jesus just affirms a lady who did. She gave from a willing heart. Nobody twisted her arm. Second Corinthians 9, 7 through 8. You who? You must decide in your heart how much to give. Like every single Sunday at New City, I don't want you to be caught by surprise. Every single Sunday we're going to pass the offering plate. Right? And when that comes by you, you must decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in a response to pressure. For God loves a what? Yeah, now he'll take money from a grouch, but he loves a cheerful giver. That was a joke. And God will generously provide, how much? All you need. Then you will, what? Always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Here's the principle. In the kingdom of God, it's all about generosity. It's all about generosity. And if you don't currently trust God with your resources because you struggle to give, Man, I want to ask you to lean into those scriptures that speak specifically to you and your money. How about entertainment? 2 Timothy 2 2. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. What do we do? How close can I get to it without crossing the line? Right? Or maybe you love to cross the lines. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. I said get in a believe group. Why? You need to pursue things that are spiritual with other people who are trying to pursue things that are spiritual, right? You get there quicker when you run in the same direction with other people. Ephesians 5, 15, talking about entertainment. Check this one out. Paul says, pay attention then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise. It's not about right or wrong. It's about wisdom. Making the most of our time, because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but instead be filled with the Spirit. If you're going to choose to get drunk, man, get drunk on God. How about our government? And this is a good one, because, you know, thankfully we only have the 2020 election coming up, so we get to do it all over again. Praise God, glory, hallelujah. Here we go, government. First Timothy 2 I urge you, first of all, this is, just, this is what the Bible says about government, right? So just, just hear it. I'm not asking for debate. This is just what the scriptures say about government. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and for all who are in authority so that we can live peacefully in quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Instead of grumbling about them, Pray for their salvation. Right? Pray for, just pray for them. Pray for them. All right, Romans 13, you're really going to hate this one. You may want to check out, check your email real quick. Romans 13, 1 through 2. Let everyone submit to the governing authorities. Since there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are instituted by God, so then the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command, and those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. What? And don't we just live in a a time where 50% say, yeah, another 50% says, you're out of your mind, right? It's challenging sometimes. Education. Those of you who are pursuing education, Proverbs 24, 3 through 6, a house is built by wisdom and becomes strong through good sense. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with all sorts of precious riches and valuables. The wise are mightier than the strong, and those with knowledge grow stronger and stronger. So don't go to war without wise guidance. Victory depends on having many advisors. Are you still improving? I hope you do. How about this one, Psalms 1, 1 through 3. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Guys, just a simple taste. Two verses on seven areas of life, right? But here's what I want you to identify with. God wants to speak into everything that you do. And you get to decide, will you ignore it? or will you allow it to be your guide? Does that make sense? Now here's the deal. I hope I hope that you will lean into it.